Behold, the genius Lanny Popper, the world's smartest man. Sometimes what goes on behind the scenes is stronger than the soap opera on the video scopes. You are listening to The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. I am co-host J.P. Zarka, ProWrestlingStories.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the poet and limerick-writing, motivational-speaking brother of WWE Hall of Famer, Macho Man Randy Savage, The Genius, Leaping Lanny Poffo. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the inaugural episode of The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. I'm co-host J.P. Zarka at J.P. Zarka on Twitter. That's Z like zebra, A-R-K-A. And I'm incredibly excited to finally get this off the ground. It's been a long time, but I'm finally ready and I'm ready to commit to something. I'm going to do at least two episodes, and if it isn't fun, I'm quitting. Just kidding. Yeah, don't say that. You're going to give me a heart attack before we even get this thing off the ground. So, you and I both know the real reason people are tuning in to the Genius Cast right now. People want to know. Is it true? Are you able to suck the chrome off your own tailpipe? On the first show? On the premiere? <laughs> you know, listen, I- I'm a man who knows what our listeners want to hear. The answer, short answer is yes. There you have it. I don't think there's anything left to be heard today. So, from Lanny and I, that's it for now. Thank you, and good night. Wait a minute, I'm going to tell you the long answer. I was nine years old. I was um, in Moose Minor Little League. As a 12-year-old boy came up to me and said something like, um, there once was a man from Nantucket. His dick was so long he could suck it. He said with a grin as he wiped off his chin, if my ear were a cunt, I would fuck it. And then um, I went home and uh, said, uh, like, it's Staples. That was easy. And here's the greatest thing. I finally wound up liking limericks so much, I wrote a book of limericks. And I still love baseball. And uh, I've got a real neat party trick. So all three. Well, there you go. (laughs) We're keeping it family-friendly here on the Genius Cast. Well, let me tell you, Ole Anderson is the first guy to find out about it and make a big deal out of it. It was 1976. I had just been with a girl that everybody had been with, and he asked me that in front of all the guys. He says, Skinny Lynn said you did that. Is that true? I said, you are judging me. At least I don't have illegitimate children running around. And that was the end of uh, the friendship of Ole and I. Which is good. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So what's Skinny Lynn up to these days? I don't know, but the reason I use her name is because she was a little glib with my name. I can't wait to hear more about these stories. Uh, now, after getting those pleasantries out of the way and surely losing a few listeners in the process, let's really let the fun begin. So why create a podcast now? Well, here it is, Monday, September 3rd, and there's this girl. Her name is Sarah, and she... Um, is the studio manager at Studio 31 Tattoo and Fine Arts. Her and her husband own it. And I just wanted to say happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sarah. Happy birthday to you. My singing sucks. Anyway, she's a wonderful girl. I don't have any tattoos. 
and I'm not going to get any tattoos. I'm still angry about the circumcision. I'm quite happy with mine. Okay, that's a good tip. <laughs> I see what you did there. So you've obviously been asked over the years to do a podcast. Obviously, wrestling podcasts are the thing right now. Um, what do you want to accomplish by doing the Genius Cast? What do I want to accomplish? I have the slightest idea, but uh, the reason I, I've been asked by everybody to do a podcast with them, and the reason you were selected is because Evan Ginsberg likes you, and he doesn't like everybody. So I figured if Evan likes you, you must be a mensch, and that's all I can tell you. Those who don't know, Evan Ginsberg was the associate producer for the movie The Wrestler. Um, he also was part of the movie 350 Days, which just came out last month in select theaters. An amazing documentary if you guys have the opportunity to watch it. But Evan, he's a dear friend of ours, and he's a writer on my website, ProWrestlingStories.com. He's a wonderful person. He's introduced us, and I'm very grateful for that. Hey, JP. Why are you doing this Genius Cast? What's in it for you? Um, what's in it for me? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I'm not a wrestling encyclopedia, not by a long shot. I'm just a fan who enjoys wrestling and sharing stories from the past. Now, uh, 2015, I started my website, ProWrestlingStories.com, of course, and it was something I just did for a bit of fun on the side. You know, it was therapeutic in a way. I was a teacher for the last 10 years, as well as an assistant principal, and doing the site opened the opportunity for me to meet a lot of people within the business, like yourself. Now, the wrestling fan base is not my typical audience. Usually, that's 8- to 12-year-olds. So, And I'm also quite new to doing interviews. I've only done a handful for the site. So I might come off as a bit stiff, or I might come off as a bit awkward at times. Bear with me. I mean, I'm very new to this, but I'm, I'm incredibly excited, and I can't wait to get going. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do this. So, while the world knows quite well who your brother, the macho man Randy Savage, was, what excites me the most about doing the Genius Cast with you is that we, myself and our listeners, get to learn more about you. Much like your portrayed characters on screen, the genius and leaping Lanny, there's a magnetism and charming quality about you in real life, and I hope our listeners will soon come to see this. Well, thank you very much. I don't know what to tell you, but uh, I hope it translates to the podcast world. And if anybody enjoys it, please send us an email and ask any questions you want. I don't think they can top your question at the beginning, but um, <laughs> now that that's out of the way, let's go for it. Now, with this show, not only do we get to know about you, we get to honor the memory of your brother. Your brother, Randy, the macho man. He was somebody with unbridled charisma. And to take a quote from the Macho Man, the Randy Savage story from the WWE Network, where you can find it under the Beyond the Ring section, he left such an indelible mark on fans across the world. He had a larger-than-life personality, and even the non-wrestling fans knew who he was as he crossed into the mainstream with his snap into a Slim Jim, oh yeah, and his intimidating and wonderful performance as Bonesaw McGraw in Spider-Man alongside Tobey Maguire. But what I really hope to do with our show is pull back the curtain and show our listeners who the real Randy and Lanny Poffo were. There are some podcasts out there that do a very, very good job in remembering my brother. Um, I could name names, but if I do, 
there's going to, you know, I'm going to leave somebody out, but let's just say Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard. These are people that knew Randy and actually told the truth about him. And I'm very grateful to both of those guys. Colt Cabana always honors my brother. However, he didn't know him that well. He only met him once, so I know him better. Actually, when I was in Scotland, he was on the card. And uh, very nice man, great podcast. And um, But there's some people, I'll tell you what, uh, they get on the air and they say things and uh, makes me want to come through the screen and do something. What kind of things are being said? Well, I'm talking about the WWE had a DVD that, and I begged my mother to be in it, okay? And uh, she didn't want to be in it, and I begged her. I said, listen, you have a story to tell. You're the only person who can tell this story. And everybody was nice to Randy in this you know, especially Kieran Bent was the producer. And I said, the reason my mother doesn't want to do it is because when my father died and my brother died, the WWE didn't send flowers, not a card, not a call, nothing. So he says, oh my God, I'm sorry. And I said, well, I'm sorry too. But that's the reason she doesn't want to be in it. So guess what Kieran Bent does? I talk her into coming. Kieran Bent comes in with five sound people, lighting people, camera people, whatever, and a big thing of flowers for my mother. And let me tell you what, it made up for the oversight. You know, they, these people have um, PR people, public relations people. I know they have my number. I know they could have called me to get my mother's address, and they didn't. And... Uh, you don't need a bunch of PR people on retainer. All you need is a little common decency. Well, Kieran Bent, the producer of the DVD, he did a masterful job of what they say in golf, replacing the divot, you know, just trying to... Um, anyway, I really liked him, and I liked everything about the DVD except the performance of Jerry the King Lawler and Pat Patterson, who could say nothing good about my father and nothing good about my brother. To add context to what you're saying, I'm going to play a clip now from that DVD, including the voices of Pat Patterson, Jerry the King Lawler, and your father, Angelo Pafo. He was a good wrestler. He understood the business, how the business is run. And I met a lot of guys in the business that saved their money, but no one saved money like Angelo Pafo. I wrestled against him as... Um... Angelo Poffo, but he was more famous than everybody back in the day referred to him as a gimmick that he used at one time called the miser. And uh, it was like the real life. I mean, Angelo and both his sons, both Randy and Leap and Lanny, were very frugal. As I was raising my family, I instilled my philosophy on them. Make all the money you can. Don't spend any of it if you can help it. My philosophy is this, better rich and dead than poor and alive. I just want to say about Jerry Lawler, at least Jerry Lawler, thanks to Jimmy Hart, opened the door for Memphis for the Papo family and was very good for our career because we, we were able to use that as a stepping stone to get to the WWF, WWE. So Jerry Lawler was good for the family. Pat Patterson, on the other hand, 
did everything he could to undermine our family from day one. Now, don't ask me for the reason. There is none. Some people just don't like you. And some people misuse their power. So I respect Jerry Lawler and I like him, even though he made this mistake by not honoring the memory of my brother and father. Now, let me just say about my dad being a cheapskate, okay? I mean, basically, that's what both Pat and Jerry said. Well, if my father were a cheapskate, or if he were cheap, don't you think I'd know about it? Of course he would. Um, but I believe the exact word was frugal that they used, not cheapskate. Okay. I grew up in this family. I was the youngest. And I mentioned violin. And my father buys me an imitation Stradivarius. And I mentioned photography. And I got a Nikon F Atomic TN with five lenses, a Durst M600 and larger for my darkroom. And the reason I remember these things and the reason they mean so much to me now is I had to go up to my parents and say I'm no longer interested in the violin or photography. So that's what kids do, right? You know, they, get, they go through phases. So my parents were raised in the Depression. They were raised in scarcity. But when they got together, first of all, they lived, they lived together, married for 61 years. This is a record that I'm not going to break, okay? And uh, I'm a one-time loser, and that's it. I'm out. So here's the situation. What I'm trying to tell you, and I'm getting a little emotional now because, you know, this is very important to me, the memory of my father and my brother. Um, my father denied himself many pleasures so he can give my brother and I a fantastic life. And we were raised in the lap of luxury. I had my own room. I had my own dark room. We had our own gym that we trained in. And we lived close enough to the, you know, the baseball field. We could pl play ball all day long. And we had a winterized batting cage. We grew up in Downers Grove, Illinois. And we had a 20 by 40 foot swimming pool that nobody had. We had the first color TV. He denied himself pleasure so he could um, make us live much better than anybody else in Downers Grove, Illinois. The other thing about my brother, um, Jerry Lawler has been, I don't know, married and divorced about 30 times. Uh, once you get to that stage, you shouldn't be giving marital advice. Let's listen to that marital advice now from Jerry the King Lawler. Randy took Elizabeth everywhere. Once, once they met and became an item, they were inseparable. Even to the point that uh, Randy, you know, there was an obsession there from the start. I firmly believed the reason that he finally did start taking her to ringside with him was just so that he could keep his eye on her 24 hours, you know, that there wasn't even that few minutes when he was out in the arena wrestling that she would be out of sight. Um, first of all, when Randy and Elizabeth were together, they, Jerry Lawler wasn't even there. So anything he heard was hearsay. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to throw in a quote from Georgie Animal Steel about this very topic. And it comes from an article on our website, ProWrestlingStories.com, entitled Randy and Liz, The True Tragic Story. You can have a look at that on the site. Honestly, Randy was one of the most jealous men I'd ever met. And it created a real problem. 
Every night it was something different. Randy's jealousy was driving him insane. There were times when he would lock her in the dressing room. Randy was always screaming at somebody. My brother did not lock Elizabeth in the dressing room. Listen, I hate to trample on the grave of George the Animal Steel. Actually, Randy was actually sick of working with him. And he told me in confidence, Randy did, um, how do you think I feel? I wasted all this time learning to wrestle. And then I wrestled George Steele and can't use any of it. So that was the problem between them. So there was some animosity, okay? Let me ask you a question. You were raised where, in Chicago? Yeah, in the suburbs, northwest suburbs. And you're living in London, England right now? I am. I'm in the north part of London in a town called Stevenage. Don't look it up. Oh. It's nothing exciting. Okay, I was raised in Downers Grove, Illinois. I don't know about you, but they had boys and girls bathrooms and boys and girls locker rooms. Did you? That's right. Okay, so why shouldn't Elizabeth have her own locker room? And why should she shower with Virgil or Brian Nobbs? Why <laughs> should she, you know, parade around in the nude in front of people? So this is not really a new idea. And whenever the other girls like Fabulous Moolah, Wendy Richter, uh, any girl that came in, um, they all dressed with Elizabeth. So what's wrong with that? You know, you know what? There was never a lock on Elizabeth's door. The thing is, nobody had the balls to open the door, okay? So they assumed it was locked. And now that Randy is deceased, they feel they can say anything about him. Well, I'm here to tell you, not on my watch, not where there's a pulse in my veins. I'm telling you, I'm angry about this. Stop talking about Macho Man or I'm going to talk about you and I'm going to do it on this venue where nobody can stop me. Ooh, I don't think anyone's going to stop you after hearing that. Um, <laughs> recently, you were in Dundee, Scotland, where you had the opportunity to serenade the Scottish wrestling entertainment fans with the song Flower of Scotland. Now, there's not an official national anthem out there, but Flower of Scotland is one of those songs that fulfills that role. How did that come about and how was that experience for you? Well, I don't mean to, first of all, it was fantastic, but I'm a stickler. And there was a big, oh my God, there was a million people in Dundee um, protesting uh, the, they want Scotland to break off from the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. okay. Now that's been ongoing and for a while now. Now the official national anthem of Scotland is, God save our gracious queen. Da, da, you know, right, that, that's of course, the, uh, of course. Okay, but they don't sing that at the football game, at the soccer match. Um, and... I saw Amy McDonald singing, please go on YouTube after we're done and look at Amy McDonald singing Flower of Scotland. She was magnificent. I really liked that girl. And, you know, what's, it was really fun. Did you, what, do you have it on video, uh, tape or anything or you want me to sing it now? I've actually got the audio that I've taken from a video shared on Facebook the other day. Now, if our listeners want to see you doing this in front of the crowd in Dundee, Scotland, check out the Scottish Wrestling Entertainment YouTube page. I'm pretty certain they'll be putting this up in the next few days or so. So here you are singing the Flower of Scotland in front of the Dundonians. And I'm going to do it from my heart to you.
All you Dunedonians out there, come on. Oh, flower of style, when will we see your life again? Who fought and died for your weeded hill and men and stood against you? Count of armies and sent him homeward, taking again. Gotta love those Scottish fans, man. They were behind you like you were Elvis out there. Too funny. Well, what was really great about it is when I got to the part, um, it goes, Oh, flower of Scotland, when will we see your like again who fought and died for your wee bit hill and glen and stood against him? And then the crowd yells, Who? And then I say, Proud Edward's army. And they all yell, Wanker. And sent him homeward to think again. Now, Wanker is a person who pleasures himself. You know, and... Uh, it's like jack off. So, you know so, I mean? Something we both can relate to. Well, I remember my father walked in on me one night and uh, <laughs> he says, if you don't stop that, you'll go blind. And I said, Dad, I'm over here. <laughs> my father would enjoy that joke. I would like to thank promoter David Lowe for just going above and beyond the call of duty for entertaining me and making sure I got the full Scottish experience, including haggis. Now you're a you're a vegetarian, but explain to me. You, I am a veg. You had haggis while you were in Scotland. How was that? Okay, look, I'm a vegetarian, and I have been for many years. However, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Have you ever heard that one? Of course. Well, when I was in Ecuador, I had qui, which. Don't bother looking it up. It's guinea pig. And um, I don't recommend it, but it's, it's a delicacy in the Andes, okay? So I want to do things that are, you know, it's like I can go back to my diet uh, easily. It's not what you do one day that counts. It's what you do every day that counts. So um, like for when I was in Newfoundland, Canada, I had cod tongues and I tasted a little screech. You don't want to drink at all, but I mean, it's it's pretty rough stuff. And, uh, you know, when I was in Nova Scotia and Maine and places like that, I had lobster. So, yes, I'm a vegetarian. I'm even a vegan. Yeah, that rhymed. And um, <laughs> the, the thing is, yes, I am. And I just came back from New York um, and I saw our friend, Evan Ginsberg. But um, 
I saw that cheesecake and I said, hey, New York cheesecake, it's, it's, it goes in my plan of um, when in Rome do as the Romans do. There's nothing like a New York cheesecake. And I had one and uh, that's going to you know, satisfy me for a couple of years. Of course. Now, haggis, for those who don't know, is a sheep's heart, liver, and lungs minced in with onion, oatmeal, sweet, spices, salt, and a bit of stock. It's actually quite delicious when you turn your mind off for a moment. Yeah, don't ask what it is. Just eat it. Exactly. Don't ask questions. <laughs> I have to admit, JP, I, I was on the Sean Mooney podcast couple of months a couple of months ago and a really great podcast that I recommend everything Sean Mooney does is great I love the guy he's a fantastic guy but I was tired I just came back from Argentina and I even forgot I was supposed to do a podcast and I said okay let's go and I was just laying in bed with my iPhone and and then he said I mentioned the Battle Royal in uh, 1987 that my that Pat Patterson did not book my father in after my brother asked him to book my father in it you know with Luthez, Eduardo Carpentier um, all these wrestlers Killer Kowalski, Gene Kaniski it was Killer Kowalski that they were teamed up in Hawaii that he he was the one that told my father what photography equipment to buy me and um, you know, this was a fantastic gift for a guy my age. So anyway, um, he says, no, Lanny, uh, Pat says that, um, Pat says it was just an oversight. No, it wasn't an oversight, please. My brother tried to get it done. He came to me a few weeks before saying, they're not gonna let dad in the battle royal. And I said, why not? Because they're blank, 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 filth and foul. You know, whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be cussing on this show unless I'm have to, and unless I'm doing a limerick, which I don't want to ruin the cadence. So my point is, yes, he did, and um, here's karma. Another guy responsible for keeping my dad out of that battle royal is um, Chief Jay Strongbow, and then the next day I see Strongbow in a sling with a broken arm and Randy says in front of all the boys what happened to you he says oh that Luthez threw me out of the ring and broke my arm Luthez didn't throw you out of the ring and broke your arm you broke your own arm because you're a disgrace to the business you're fat and you know that's I said I told Randy is that is that the way we're going to act now he says hey I was nice to everybody and I guess they don't like me you know, and then, see, and then the worst thing that Pat did, and he he even admits it right on the DVD, because he was on the rallying cry that Randy was too long in the tooth to be WWF material anymore. My brother wrestled against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. They had the greatest match in the history of wrestling, according to some, because it's hard to prove. You know, it's just a matter of opinion. You may like um, John Studd against Andre. Everybody's got their own favorite match. It's not, it's, it's, it's subjective, not objective. It's like diving as opposed to swimming. The judge doesn't like you, gives you a bad score, you're done. But swimming, the guy with the best time always wins. 
So my brother wanted to, he, it, he was, the, the match with Steamboat ruined his life because he's OCD, okay? And obsessive compulsive disorder about having a great match. That's actually a good thing if you're a wrestling fan. He cares so much about the fans that he wants to have the best match he can. And he, it always hurt his feelings that he couldn't have a match as good or better than the one he had with Ricky Steamboat. Well, I've got a good reason. 50% of the greatness of that match came from Ricky Steamboat. And, you know, maybe he was just better than everybody Takes else. Takes two to tango. But it certainly does. And then he's, he's relegated to being the announcer, and he's getting bored, and he's noticing that Shawn Michaels is emerging as not just a tag team wrestler, but the greatest talent in the business at the time. And I remember he calls me up at 2 in the morning because he knew I had um, a computer. Um, and he says, can you find some breakaway champagne bottles? So I said, yeah, I think I can do that. And I found a company that made breakaway champagne bottles that you, I can break it over your head and not hurt you. Because his, his plan was to drink to Shawn Michaels' career, pour him a glass, they would drink, they would toast, and then they would um, drink, and then Randy would smash the bottle over Shawn Michaels' head, starting a two-year feud like the Hatfields and the McCoys, ending in WrestleMania, where Shawn Michaels loses his hair if he loses, and Randy retires to the announcing table if he loses. So it's the hair versus the career, and then they would have the greatest match ever in the history of wrestling, and Randy retires to the announcer's table. So what happens? Pat says, well, Randy, we're having a youth movement, and the best thing you can do is stay in the microphone. And that's when he went to the WCW. So that's my point. That was and a loss to this fans at the time. Well, you're a, you're a wrestling fan. Don't you feel don't you feel gypped? Absolutely gypped. I mean, instead, we got this feud with Brian Adams' crush. Now, not to knock it or Brian Adams as a performer, but Shawn Michaels and Macho Man, that would have been money. Especially I I think I'm one of the few new generation era fans that's that are out there these days. But that alone would have definitely put something, you know, in the fans' well, minds looking back on that era. It would have made it legitimate. Let me let me interrupt a little bit because I, if I don't say this, I'm going to lose it. And you know, I'm at the age where, you know, I walk in the room and wonder why I'm in the room. So you you are getting I, pretty old. I have to admit. I'm going to be 64 December 28th, and I am still young at heart, and I still look forward to every day, and I'm very excited about this podcast. Although I admit I am easily excited. So, yes, I, I notice. Yes. <laughs> We've really hit it off with a bang to start off here. Keep going, please. Okay. Before you lose it. Remember how um, Bret Hart left in a Montreal screw job finish? Right, 97 Survivor Series. Yes. Well, Randy had planned to pass the baton, pass the torch to Shawn Michaels. And lose right in the middle of the ring, as he did at WrestleMania three, right in the middle of the ring. He was going to lose because he was not selfish. 
He wanted to do what was best for business and they wouldn't let him. So Pat Patterson, if you're listening, now I have to go back because what I said about on Sean Mooney's show, I am going to um, apologize right now. I'll tell you what I said and you could easily get it and play it. So don't do it because I can't stand to hear it. I can't believe I was this wrong. Okay, I'm so sorry. See, I've got a list of rules to live by on my refrigerator. And I look at that list every day because I go to the refrigerator every day. And one of the big things from Dr. Wayne Dyer is there's no such thing as a justified resentment. So when I, I told Sean Mooney that I saw in 2015, I saw Pat Patterson and he gave me that same gaga, that's an expression in wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, he said, I'm sorry about the battle royal. I didn't mean to do it. It was an oversight. Now, when we're talking and, about this battle royal, just for our listeners, we're talking about when your father, Angelo, was he wanted to be part of, and, and you and your brother wanted to be part of this Legends Battle Royal in 1987, but Vince declined. Uh, Pat Patterson had a lot of pull, and he helped. He helped. It was see Pat Patterson. You have to understand, Vince McMahon is in the trenches every day, but he goes for macro things, big big business, big things all the time. The little stuff he gave to Pat. This was considered very little stuff. It was in the Meadowlands Arena. Um, it's on YouTube if they don't take it down because, you know, they keep taking it down. They probably and will now. <laughs> yes. Well, what I noticed about it is there's three men that didn't belong in that ring. And that was Nick Bockwinkle, Tony Gurria, and um, Rene Goulet. And the reason these three men didn't belong in the ring is because... They were road agents, and they had recently participated in the sport. They were still active, and Nick Bockwinkle still looked like the world champion. Everybody else got into the ring looking like they had their walkers. Anyway, what I told Sean Mooney, and I really need to apologize for this, is I said, the purpose of me going to San Jose to induct my brother into the Hall of Fame is to, number one, get to San Jose, number two, do my speech, and number three, go home. I wasn't there to get in a fight with Pat Patterson or anybody else. So I just let him talk, and I looked at him, and I looked at him, and I watched him lie. And I also, then he started changing the topic and giving me advice. And I said, look, I thought to myself, he still smells like an ashtray. I know he's still smoking. He's 11 months pregnant and never going to deliver. And why should I waste time talking to him? He's going to be dead soon. And then I said, not soon enough. And it didn't feel wrong when I said it. But when a few weeks later, I played it back. I went on Sean Mooney's podcast and played it back. And I was so embarrassed. And I said, no, I don't want to live like this. Let me say something nice about Pat Patterson. In 1967, I met the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. I'm 12 years old. And it was Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson against Pedro Morales and Pepper Gomez. And I promise you, 
you can't get better entertainment than that in 1967. I mean, they were two blonde-haired guys going bam, 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 bam. The people, oh, man, it was the greatest tag match I've ever seen. And after it was over, you know, we all discussed it. We decided that Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson were the greatest workers in the country right now. And then we, somebody said, well, who was better, Ray or Pat? And I said, I don't know. I couldn't tell them apart. All I saw is blonde hair going up and down and people going crazy. You know, this business can be so good when it's good. So my point is, is Pat Patterson a great worker? No, he might have been the best worker in his era. How's that? So let's not take everything away from the guy. And uh, he really was great. And I've seen video now, and, you know, they were a little past his peak, but I saw him in his prime. I saw him when he was young. And let me tell you, pr I promise you he was great. Now, now that I've said that, um, very, very wrong. He purposely kept my father out of that battle royal, and I blame him. As a fan, you should be angry that you didn't get to see perhaps the greatest match of your lives. How would it be if Kenny Omega didn't get to wrestle Chris Jericho? How would you like that? It would have been a loss. You robbed, you robbed the wrestling business of a guy that only wanted to raise the bar. That's all he wanted to do, and they wouldn't let him. So that's when he went to WCW, and that's what happened. Yeah, we definitely got robbed by not getting that feud. That would have been amazing. I want to switch focus now to the WWE Hall of Fame 2015. It's no secret, your brother did not want to go into the WWE Hall of Fame by himself. He wanted to go in as the Pafo family, including you and your father, Angelo. WWE never allowed that to happen, and sadly for everyone, he wasn't inducted while alive. A couple years after he passed on, you went against your brother's wishes and you inducted him anyway. What was your thought process behind that? And how was it reconnecting with WWE at the time? Okay, let's say it was about a year before my father finally passed away. It was April 10th, um, 2009. Um, that was his birthday and it was a year before because he, he lived a, almost a year longer. It was his 84th birthday, and oh, my brother and I got into an argument. Guess who always wins? He, he won his one millionth argument in a row for me. Um, <laughs> Anyone who's a younger brother can relate to that. Yes, he was two years older, and he said, yeah, we got to take Dad uh, out for his birthday. Uh, his favorite his favorite restaurant, for some reason, was Olive Garden, which is Italian without really being Italian. Okay, We can't knock Olive Garden. I, I've, I've enjoyed a few meals there in the past. I think, I think they're pretty great. Uh, they get a bad rep, you know. Uh, but the thing is... Um, I'd like to talk to those people that give them a bad rap. Okay, we'll do that next, next show. show. Anyway, my point is, I said... Dad can't uh, be in public. You know, he hasn't been out of the house. He's not doing well. He's, you know, he's not doing well. He said, well, we got to do this for Dad for it's his birthday. I said, well, rather than argue, I said, okay, fine. 
even though I didn't think. And sure enough, we got out there and my dad could barely hang on to the conversation. He wasn't even enjoying himself. He was miserable. He shouldn't have been in public. And then my brother says, how do you like that? They're putting the entire Von Erich family in the Hall of Fame. He says, I can understand, you know, Fritz and Kevin and Carrie and David, but my God, can you imagine that? Mike and Chris in the Hall of Fame? Holy shit. How bad is it? You know, he says, Lou Fez isn't even in the Hall of Fame. And his point is, if the Von Erichs can get in the Hall of Fame, then why not the Paphos? And then he looked at me and he says, Lanny, you suck, but you're better than Chris. And, and there was a big, we laughed, you know, because that's, and believe it or not, that's the kind of humor that I missed the most. He was, and he, he knew I enjoyed that. I, for some reason, that's how he showed his love. Um, you, you know, he did it in such a way that was fantastic. He had personality, uh, something that's lacking in a lot of people. So anyway, after my father passes away, um, he got drunk on his ass and he invited me over to his house. You got to come over and talk to me. And he says, you were a better son than I was. And I said, no, I wasn't. Yes, you were. I said, in what way was I a better son than you were? He says, I couldn't get dead into that battle royal. I said, he knew that you had no power to do that in 1987, you know, with all the angry people around, you know what I'm saying? You can't, um, he had, you know, let's say he, you can't, oh, anyway, I can't believe he still was holding that with him. So anyway, he says, if anything happens to me, don't let them put me in the hall of fame unless it's the Pafo family. He says, it's Lanny, Randy, and Angelo. And that's the only way I go in. If anything happens to me, you got to remember that. And he said it to my mother a hundred times. You know, my brother can keep talking after he made his point. And you'll find so can I, okay? So <laughs> sure enough, after my brother passes away, they're getting ready to have WrestleMania in Miami. And I get a phone call from John Laurinaitis. And he was really nice, but he didn't say the magic words, I'm sorry for your loss. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for Howard Finkel, nobody did. Wow. See what I mean? That's terrible. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, we're dealing in the truth as I know it. We've already heard the truth as other people know it. So anyway, my point is, I said, well, my brother's wishes were to go in as the Papo family, Angelo, Randy, and Lanny. He says, if they don't go in that way, he doesn't go in. So I was, I was staunch. So evidently that got over like a fart in a spacesuit. Nobody really, uh, you know. Nobody bid on that idea. Me. Nobody bid on that idea. So, so then it was, I had an epiphany. My 59th birthday, I said to myself, my God, I am the older brother now. And I thought about all the times that my wishes were not met, you know, that I didn't get my way. And it was Marsha, 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 except it was macho, macho, macho. So I said, well, little Brady Bunch re reference right there. <laughs> it's the story of a lovely, lovely lady. lady. 
Yes. <laughs> anyway, it was very popular. The song was better than the show, actually. Hey, don't knock the show. Cindy was my first crush. <laughs> okay, let's not knock the show. So, I told my mom, I said, you know what? I'm the older brother now, and I have to put Randy in the Hall of Fame. She says, absolutely not. His wishes were this and that, and you know very well you can't do that because this were his wishes. And I said, you want to hear about all the wishes that I had that didn't come true because I wasn't the older brother? And then we, I said, look, I am the oldest now, and I've got you outnumbered. It's just you and I are the only ones left. So I'm going to do it. Do you love me or not? And I knew the reason I did it was correct. I didn't do it for the WWE. I didn't do it for the Macho Man. He was he was happier not being in the Hall of Fame. You know, he was more famous by not being in the Hall of Fame than by being in it. Just like Pete Rose was famous for not being in the Baseball Hall of Fame, although he got in the WWE Hall of Fame. And, and now they've got Barry Bonds and all these steroid people that can't get in the Baseball Hall of Fame. What's more important, the promoter, the wrestler, neither one. It's the fan. Without the fan, the sport doesn't exist. Without the fan, nobody exists. If it wasn't for the wrestling fan, there wouldn't be a sport. If it wasn't for demand, there wouldn't be supply. So, look at Bruno San Martino. By the time he got in the Hall of Fame, all his fans were either dead or too old to enjoy it. And let's not let this happen to Randy. His fans have suffered enough. So I said, nope, I got to put him in the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, I tried to give him his wishes, but I can't do that. They don't want that. Okay, so I came, um, I got a call from Mark Carano. And he said, can you come to New Orleans and uh, WrestleMania? Because we've got a WWE um network that's going to be launching and we'd like to have you on there and I said yes and by the way I've changed my mind about Randy I want him in the Hall of Fame oh my god oh my god okay I'll call you back I'll call you back so he hangs up and about an hour later he says okay here's the deal but kayfabe does anybody remember that word I think some of our listeners might it's dead now yes but it's a it's a it's a word that it's a word that used to mean something not much anymore Kayfabe, don't say anything, please. He said, we only do one posthumous inductee per year, and this year it is Paul Bearer. And next year in San Jose, we'll put Randy in there. But that means we got to keep it quiet for a whole year. Well, I kept it quiet, but they leaked it. So, you know, I knew a lot better about Kayfabe than they did. And when I got there, Pat Patterson gave me that quasi-apology. My God, if you want to apologize, don't deny it. If you're going to deny it, don't apologize. And uh, in the meantime, you know, I just, I wasn't there to see Pat. I was there to give my speech and go home. And I didn't want anything to do with anything else. So I did it. I did it for the fans. And now I'm going to ask you, what would you have done? I probably would have done the same thing you did, uh, waited a few years, n- holding on to your brother's wishes 
And then as time goes on, realizing that actually it's something that's bigger than you, Randy, your family, and anything else, and that it's what the fans deserve. I think you made the right choice. Okay, well, thank you very much, but I'll tell you something. Um, this is like hard for me to talk about because, you know, I had to weigh it out. But I used the wisdom of Spock in um, Star Trek. And he said, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. One macho man, millions of macho fans. I don't think we have an argument here. He meant so much to so many. And it was the fans that gave him the lifestyle of a star. So why can't we just honor the fans memory of the macho man? Now, people told me it was a good speech. And I said, thank you. But you know what I said to myself? It wasn't a good speech. The speech that should have been done, it should have been delivered by the macho man himself. They should have done it. They should have done it when he was alive. He should have had one last, ooh, yeah. It should have, can't you imagine how fun that would have been? But woe to the people that kept him out of the Hall of Fame for so long. I have goosebumps thinking about what his speech would have been like. It it would have been a hell of a lot better than mine, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, you did a fantastic job, honestly. Um, yeah, I was. I did a good job, but I couldn't do the one thing that people wanted. I couldn't morph into the macho man. I could only say what it was like for me to have him as a brother and for the fans to have him as a star. And you did a good job of that. What, what are your thoughts on Martha Hart, Owen's widow? keeping him out of the WWE Hall of Fame? Well, I'd rather not say on one hand, and on the other hand, I think she's being ridiculous. I think, she, I think Owen Hart needs to be in the Hall of Fame, for sure. And um, stop being, you know, obtuse, and just get out there and let, him, let the fans have a little fun. It's all about entertainment, right? Well, let the fans have some fun then. You know, he gave his life to the business. I hate to say it, but he really did. I mean, of all the people that gave their lives to the business, I think Bruiser Brody and Owen Hart are the only two I can think of. Now, um, Brody, absolutely tragic. Um, that happened in the showers after the show. Um, but off the top of my head, I could think of Misawa, Mike DiBiase, as well as Pero Aguayo Jr., which is one of the more recent ones. I guess Ricky Dozan was another, I don't know. But uh, this is in the ancient past in Japan. So my point is, yeah, let him in the Hall of Fame. You know what? It's for the fans, stupid. Now, each week, we're going to do something special. I'm going to play a clip of your brother, the Macho Man. And it's going to be coming from YouTube or, you know, you can send us clips as well. If you have anything of Randy in an interview or a promo that you would like us to dissect and talk about, send it to us at thegeniuscast at prowrestlingstories.com. Now, funny enough, while throwing ideas around for the show, you sent me a few clips of your brother Randy. This soundbite I'm about to play is something I spliced together from one of those videos that you sent me. Now, the smart fans, or smarks if you will, have all heard this particular urban legend. Let me play this clip and then we can address it after. Freak out! It's the Macho Man Clip of the Week. Oh, yeah! 
Triple H, you already know I'm gonna bitch slap ya and take your girl, Stephanie McMahon. Get on my back, because I can take the pressure. Yes, I can. And while we're haunting Hulk Hogan, we'll be bitch slapping Triple H. <sighs> 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 Alright, here's the deal, Triple H. I'm talking to you. Call me a dinosaur in this business, dude. Well, I thought that was very disrespectful. And I, in turn, am telling you that I thought you were pretty good there for a while. And uh, I am uh, thinking that your brand value in five years, if you're not on TV every week, is going to come down a little bit. And I don't think that you're going to be as strong as you think that you are. And even though you think that I'm a dinosaur, dude, I'm on you right now from MachoMan.com. And I say you're going to be ducking here real, 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 real soon. Because when you duck, when you blink, I'm going to steal your girlfriend. How's that? I'm going to take your babe. I'm going to take Stephanie McMahon and take her a ride around the block. And I might give her back, but I may not. You understand that, Triple H? I'll do what I want to do because you're a punk. I might be a dinosaur, but the dinosaur is calling you a punk. And you, Triple H, you call me a dinosaur? Dude, uh huh. You call that a dinosaur? Well, guess what? This dinosaur is gonna steal your girlfriend. And I'm telling you about it. I'm not gonna do it behind your back. I'm gonna do it right in front of you. I'm gonna take Stephanie McMahon and I'm gonna take her around the block and I'm gonna show her what a real man is. The macho man, yeah. Cause you, Triple H, are a punk. We are a man and we work hard and we play hard. So Stephanie McMahon, get ready for the kid. <laughs> Where does one begin after that one? So, genius, I have to ask, did your brother Randy ever get that chance to take Stephanie McMahon around the block and show her what a real man is? I don't know, and if I knew, I wouldn't tell you. Because Randy was very, very private, and I have absolutely no idea if that happened. I'll tell you what did happen. Triple H did an interview on a magazine and they said, what do you think of Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man? And he says, well, they're great, but they are dinosaurs. They are dinosaurs, was his answer. Well, evidently, Hulk Hogan didn't mind being called a dinosaur. But Randy took big exception to it. And he was just as well have said, if you think I'm so old, let's see how you can do in a shoot against me. You see, he challenged him to a shoot. In other words, taking your girl for a ride is his way of showing you no respect whatsoever. And, you know, I have absolutely no idea if the urban legend is true. And like I said, if I knew, I wouldn't tell you. It's none of anybody's business. There's only one person who knows for sure, and that is Stephanie. Randy's not here, and she's not talking. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt and just talk about something else. Now, what Randy did was not to draw money. He was doing his own podcast, his own internet show. Okay. It was not a podcast. It was his own website, members only. So yeah, he said some pretty outlandish things, but don't forget, he really liked Triple H and he felt that Triple H had disrespected him well, that was his way to get even with Triple H. Randy didn't let things lie. He he exacerbated everything. Um, 
I don't feel that that is the best way to be. I don't do that. If somebody says, uh, you want to make something out of it, I walk around the mud puddle. He jumps in the mud puddle and splashes it. That's the difference between him and I, outside of the fact that he was a hell of a lot better wrestler than me. Now, before we close our show, let's set up a few fan questions that were submitted to us on our Twitter account at TheGeniusCast and email TheGeniusCast at ProWrestlingStories.com. Now, Jessica from Schaumburg, Illinois asks, is wrestling better in the 80s or now? Oh, yeah. Everybody tells me that. That, boy, we wish that it was back in the 80s. That's when wrestling was wrestling instead of this crap. Well, I feel that it's better now. How's that? Because the TV's better now, the internet's better now, my iPhone is better now, and they say, oh, you shouldn't have an iPhone. Well, if it wasn't for the GPS, I couldn't find my butt with two hands, okay? <laughs> so everything has improved, and my brother's big thing in wrestling was to try to prove how athletic he is. Well, what about the Young Bucks? What about Kenny Omega? What about Jay Lethal? What about all those guys at Ring of Honor who actually are athletes and can't wait to show you. And WWE has some very, very athletic people too. So it's raised the bar of athleticism and that's always been what wrestling tried to be. You know, in, in the 80s and in the 70s, I remember big fat guys, big fat old men that reached deep into their trunks and grabbed a foreign object and just gouged your eyes with it and they called that a match. I don't call that a match. I call that shortcuts. This is my feelings. I think it's better now. If that means I'm a traitor to my generation, then so be it. I think that these guys are busting their asses trying to make the fans excited. And the fans are jaded, too. They've seen it all. I mean, they've seen everything, and they know everything, and they still pay money. And that is hard. That's an art. Good for them. Dan from Cleveland asks, which wrestler would you pay to see today? Well, if you knew anything about me, um, <laughs> I am very slow on the wallet uh, to pay to see anybody. I love Broadway musicals, but I even found Broadway HD where for $10 a month, less than, um, I can go ahead and watch. I've got about 200 Broadway musicals at my disposal, but I would pay to see Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, Jay Lethal, all the stars of Ring of Honor, and several of the stars of WWE. Jake Rathog Osmond from Harrow, England asks, what was your relationship like with Vince McMahon? What did you think of him? You know, after all has been said and done, there is one word of wisdom, uh, one phrase of wisdom, that he said many, many times to me. And I want to use it as the basis of this podcast. He said, where's the stone? Now, do you understand what that is? Enlighten us. Okay, well, I'm going to explain to you. Where's the stone that it's etched in that you can't do it only this way, not that way? In other words, and if you found the stone, let's throw it away or break it. In other words, just because it's never been done doesn't mean we can't do it. In other words, we've all, I've already been a guest on several podcasts, but... Why would we want to copy them when we can just be ourselves and do our own thing and enjoy our own company and perhaps we'll build an audience, perhaps we won't, but at least we'll be original. 
So where's the stone? Nowhere, mon frere. We're going to make our own stone. We're going to etch it in stone ourselves. Otherwise, the Genius Cast is just another podcast. I don't want to be just another podcast. I was not a great wrestler, but I was unique. I was an individual. I was defiantly an individual, and I'm going to be an individual here too. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take those stones that you speak of. We're going to throw them against the wall. (laughs) Aaron from Jacksonville asks, Did you ever have a concussion while in WWE? And were you part of that class action lawsuit against Vince? Wow, what a great question. You know, I think it was a couple years ago, I get a phone call from some lawyer. I don't even know his name. And he says, it's Lanny Poffo. This is a lawyer. We're having a class action lawsuit. Did you ever have a concussion? I said, no, sir, I have not. He says, it doesn't matter. You get, her, get your name on this list. We're a class action lawsuit. You'll, when the money comes in, you'll get your share. And I said, did you know my nickname? He says, yeah, you were Leaping Lanny and the Genius. I said, well, I can't leap anymore, but I'm still the genius. And I am not really a genius, but I, have you ever read any John Grisham thrillers? Uh, I read a book called King of Tort, and that explained about class action lawsuits. And the only people that get rich on class action lawsuits are the lawyers. Now, if you look at that list of people that are suing the WWE because of concussions, You're going to find some managers like Slick. You're going to find some referees like the Hebners. How in the hell do they get a concussion? This is bullshit. I don't want to, you know, I love money just like anybody else, but I'm not going to earn it that way by making a fake lawsuit on, on, on Vince McMahon. Do you realize how he enhanced the lives of the Macho Man and myself? how great it was for us to be in the WWE. You know, I made 23 appearances in Madison Square Garden and two of them were on the main event. And just like a fat girl on prom night, I was excited when my phone rang. Andrew Henderson from London by way of Scotland asks, there was a lot of ribbing in the 80s. Did you rib anyone or did anyone rib you? I never ribbed anyone. I don't like ribs and nobody ribbed me and I know the reason. Would you want to have to answer to the macho man? I don't think so. So one time uh, after I got fired the first time and or let go or what do you call it? uh, We wish you luck on your future endeavors. I got future endeavored. Um, And then when I came back, it was to manage the Beverly Brothers. And Randy said, hey, in the six months you've been away, there's a trend of people using people's suitcases as toilets. So be careful. So... I remember the first night I was back, I hid my cap and gown so well that I couldn't find it myself. So much for the genius. (laughs) When you found your hat, was there something in it? Nobody did that to me because the macho man was my brother. Now I'm worried about getting ribbed because I no longer have the macho man to protect me. Yeah, you got to be careful out there. Yeah, my little brother. Yeah, here's the deal. Now, this next question comes in by a guy by the name of The Punisher. He asks, and I feel a bit uncomfortable asking this, but as Pat's been a big part of this conversation today, I'll I'll, I'll bring it up. Did Pat Patterson ever flirt or try it on with other guys in the back? Not to my knowledge. I've heard rumors. Absolutely not. Pat Pat has a great personality, and what he would do 
he would use humor as a thin veil in disguise to make his remarks. You know, a lot of men do that with women too. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hey, hi, honey, you know, whatever. Unwanted advances. Um, he would always be tongue-in-cheek, you know, pardon the pun, but uh, I never, I promise you, and even the Steve Lombardi rumor, um, I never saw it. And, you know, I asked Steve Lombardi, uh, did did he do that with, uh, did he have sex with Pat Patterson? He told me no. And uh, I believe him because he's never lied to me. I promise you, Steve Lombardi has never lied to me. And there's another reason I believe him. That is one ugly motherfucker. And I don't imagine a homosexual wanting Steve Lombardi under any circumstances. <laughs> Good answer. And lastly, this question comes from Smacky Smack on Reddit. Been watching wrestling for decades, so I have many memories of you and your great poems. You were once a spokesperson for the Gazelle. When it came to the Gazelle, I was just curious how you ended up hooking up with them. Do you have any cool stories about Tony Little? Also, can you explain to our listeners what the Gazelle was so that, you know, this is for the people who do not know? Well, if you go on my website, GeniusLannyPapo.com, go in the video section and scroll down, you'll see my infomercial, uh, Tony Little's Gazelle. And what I did was I bought the Gazelle, I used the Gazelle, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. It was gentle on the joints, easy on the credit card. So I wrote a little poem about the gazelle and I said, hey, use me in your next infomercial. Well, I got a call back immediately and then um, we did one uh, gazelle commercial and then we did another and uh, it was very, very, uh, let me tell you, Tony Little is not like he is on TV. He looks over-caffeinated on TV, but that's his gimmick because he's trying to have vim, vigor, and vitality. He's a very, very nice person, and I have nothing bad to say about Tony Little or his organization. Now, you said it was easy on the joints, this, uh, this machine, this device. Uh, what exactly does it do, the Gazelle? It gives you cardio without stress on the joints. That's, it's that simple. And it's actually playground equipment that thinks it's training equipment. Fair enough. Um, Smacky Smack continues. I have a WCW question. Did you ever hear the rumor that you were in their Wildcat Willie mascot costume? If not, that story seems pretty silly. It is a silly story. I was not in the costume and I don't know who was. And with that, let us now close today's episode with the Genius Poem of the Week. I stand before the Hall of Fame in honor of my brother who seized each carpe diem day with passion like no other. Born Randy Mario Poffo, he became the macho man. Randy Savage made it cool to be a wrestling fan. His match with Ricky Steamboat in 1987 was on a scale from one to 10, much better than 11. He snapped into a Slim Jim with his iconic voice. He earned a role in Spider-Man, which made his fans rejoice. When the mega powers exploded, the storyline was real. Life's too short to hold a grudge. It's time for us to heal. 
in triumphant jubilation, we celebrate his name. Finally, the Macho Man is in the Hall of Fame. Randy Savage. Listening to The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. This has been a ProWrestlingStories.com production. Find us on social media at The Genius Cast, at Lanny Poffo, or at JP Zarka. If you'd like to advertise to thousands of dedicated listeners on our show each week, send us an email at TheGeniusCast at ProWrestlingStories.com. Until next time.